Hare Krishna. First of all, meet Nanda Gopal. We should give Nanda Gopal for a real round of applause. Because Because he came all the way from Australia <laughs> just to be with us on the mentorship trip. He's so committed. He's there in the Gold Coast and he's thinking, I have to come for the fierce mentorship. I can't believe we've gone a day and a half and nobody's made a joke out of him. <laughs> coming to Australia, coming back again. That's not the last one, by the way. <laughs> no, but thank you. That was actually a really helpful on one page, uh, just to understand that, to give us a really easy crib sheet in terms of how we can think about mentorship and menteeship. Um, so uh, this is going to be... Sorry, can somebody just tell me the time? Five to five. Five to five, great, thank you. So um, we are going to speak uh, just three slides on... Um, this idea of commitment, which Maharaj has been speaking about. And um, I thought I'd start off with this. Um, you are all weird. And that is, uh, there was a study which covered about, I think it was 96% of the population of Europe. It was a psychology study. And um, they were talking about how the psychology of people has changed so much from what it was. And they call them weird, and this is what it means. And these dimensions, they say, um, because of the culture and, that, and the society that we've been brought up with, has imposed upon us a very different uh, mindset than previous generations, necessarily speaking. And um, that has its implications, has many different implications. And um, now I'm going to struggle with this. How do I get this on presenter view? Oh God. Oh, so, um, <laughs> so here's here's something that. Um, I think, huh? Weird. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Weird. I was thinking of a thing for O, but anyway. Um, so here's something uh, that Michael Hawk uh, wrote in a book. I forget the name of the book, but it starts with this. Some of you may have seen it. Hard times lead to. He said strong men. Obviously, the species, not the gender. Strong men lead to? And good times lead to? Weak men lead to hard times. You know, like, if you think about um, generations of uh, immigrants into a country, you often find that first-gen people immigrate, especially economic migrants, that uh, they work really hard. There's like a really strong work ethic, a sense of commitment. Because they have like the basics, the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is very, you know, top of mind for them because they need to put food on the table or they need to have 
a roof over their heads, all of those types of things, right? And they know that there's an emphasis on, on for example, education, because that's the route out of poverty, etc., etc. So there's that whole thing. And the second generation, um, they have a bit of a good time because they've, you know, they've landed in a situation where they know that they're never going to go hungry. Um, they could be uh, inheriting their parents' home, all of that kind of stuff. And by the third generation, uh, they've pretty much spent all the money. So this is when they looked historically back in terms of how wealth transfers over generations, they see that the first generation makes it, the second generation uh, you know, spends it to some degree, and the, by the third generation, they spent it all, it's gone. So because the culture has changed, the culture of that family has changed. In the first generation, they were working hard. They were committed to getting something done. They knew that there was a requirement. There was a need. By the second generation, their culture has gone because the necessity has moved away. And by the third generation, it's just like silver spoon and wasteful. So you can see where I'm going, right? Like there's a parallel in terms of our own spiritual life also. That there was a time where... Um, in generations, maybe during Prabhupada's time you can take, or whether it was uh, campaign time, you know, where there's an existential kind of pressure or a threat, and then people step up to that. But then over time, as things get easier, then it becomes easier and easier for us to also become very complacent. And when we become complacent, then it's kind of like, okay, well, just like the generations deal with money, in the same way as this cycle is telling us, um, it changes. But what's also interesting is that not all first-generation immigrants are actually working hard. It's not, it's not true across, it's not universal. And it's also not universal that second-generation people are lazier than first-generation. That's also not a universal. It's a trend, it's a generalization, but it's not a universal, it's not a given. So it's not to say that this is a predetermined fact that's going to play out. It's just to say that this is going to be the trend, this is going to play out unless you do something about it. Or unless by, you know, uh, Krishna's mercy or your past karma, or whatever it might be, that uh, you have a, a certain combination of the gunas that means that you're not going to fall into that trap. But generally speaking, if you let things play out, this is the way the trend is going to go. And as a society, this is the way the trend is going to go. So that's why for us, um, it's so important that when we hear you know, like, um, Maharaj has obviously been speaking today, but even previously on mentorship trips, our other um, spiritual leaders, obviously Srila Prabhupada's books, again and again, you know, um, Maharaj is quoting uh, this morning about how um, a life of self-realization and, uh, you know, they don't, they, and an easy life don't go well together, right? Like, there's a, there's a, they're contradictory. So for us, it's a choice. The choice is what example are we setting for our children, younger generations? What example are we, are we setting the example of the first gen hard working commitment level? Are we setting the second generation lay back and relax um, example? Because whatever example we set, they're gonna take one level below that. It's just, you know, the material world goes downwards unless you're pushing up as, what did Shudipa used to say? Um, Unless you're pushing, 
unless you're pushing the modes, the modes are pushing you. <laughs> you know, it's not like you can't be stagnant. You can't be standing still. There is no standing still. So, um, that's it. It's, I feel like it's a really important um, point for us because we may feel like in this cycle, if we were to look at this cycle and say, okay, where do we, where do we find ourselves? Do we find ourselves in hard times or in good times? In this country, in this yatra, where would you place ourselves? Okay, so if, you place yourself, if we place ourselves in good times, which I would agree with in the sense that everything's been laid out for us, we have, you know, we have material facility, we have a beautiful temple, we have an amazing community, we're not fighting for our lives or survival as in many other yatras where we're not even allowed to practice Krishna consciousness, what about anything else, right? So we're not, so we're in good times. What follows good times? So if we know what follows good times, then what should we be doing? So if we know that the trend, unless we push back, unless we do something active, that the, that the trend is going to push us from good times to weak people. If that's where it's going to take us, so then we should be aware of that because that's essentially the risk that we face. Um, and that's what we find ourselves fighting against. You know, we find ourselves that because there is no, that, that there isn't that existential threat, etc., etc., therefore we find ourselves struggling and a lot of the conversations that we have in mentorship one-to-one sanghas, classes, etc., etc., is around how do I feel inspired? How do I feel enthusiastic? How do, you know, all of these like things. It's not, you know, um, they're, they're, they're the, um, how do they say it? Uh, it slips my mind, but there's a way of saying it like in, a, in the materialistic concept, like this idea, these are only problems of people who are economically advantaged. Huh? Yeah, first world problems. These are first world problems. These are first world problems. Like if you go to Ukraine now and ask the devotees there, they're not talking anything. That. That's not their problem right now. Like they have actual problems. We have first world problems because we're in good times. So, okay, fine. That's not like we, we shouldn't say like, we shouldn't also think that, okay, like it's a punishment on us that we've been born in good times. You know? But it, it's an opportunity, like, okay, fine, you've been being born, now at least concentrate on something else that's going to take, that's going to make sure that we don't become weak, and after weak comes, because that's the flow that we'll see. Maybe we won't see it for, you know, until many years down the road, but for sure we will see it, and not only we, will, we can be guaranteed that our children will see it. Is that the ISKCON, is that the, uh, the Krishna conscious community that we want to bring our children up in? Hard times. So that's why when we hear the way that Srila Prabhupada is encouraging us to apply ourselves in Krishna consciousness, that's the only way that we can keep things like um, on a like head above water. You know, like you can keep it going without having to keep going down like you're drowning and then up, you know, gasping for air, and like this constant cycle between hard times and good times. So it's not like that we... Um, I'll go to the next slide. So, um, Sani Krishna Prabhu selected this slide. <laughs> Hope you all like it. So, um, the, um, you know, the whole, as, uh, the, uh, the whole project of materialism um, 
is based around this idea of um, enjoyment without commitment. So I want to enjoy, but I don't want to work and I don't want to commit. So if you look at the two defining things, whether it's money or sex, people want to have sex, no commitment. You know they're saying in 30 years people won't get married. If the trend continues in the way that it's going in terms of the reduction of people getting married, people will stop being married. Like one, two, five percent, whatever will be married in 30 years' time. Just have sex, don't commit. Same thing with money. I want to earn money, but I don't want to work for it. What's the easiest way to make money? Now, obviously there's an intelligent way to do it. Ask your show to suit if you want tips. But that's, that's not based on like, um, you know, there's an intelligent way to earn passive income. I'm not talking about intelligent passive income. I'm talking about this idea that is behind the concept of gambling, which is I want something without the effort. And uh, this is a very dangerous, these are dangerous mentalities. Like this idea, it would just, it, it's, uh, uh, it's destructive to society. Um, because again, it's this idea of that cycle between good times. You know, you enjoy the good times. If you enjoy the good times and that's what you're enjoying, what are you going to get if not weak people? That's what you're going to get. You're just going to get weak people because they have no notion of what the Greeks called stoicism. There's no notion of um, self-restraint or self-discipline. or you know, uh, And that mentality guaranteed will spill over into our spiritual lives. If we do that in our material lives, it will spill over into our spiritual lives. There is a reason why people who are generally kind of um, self-disciplined, regulated, when they take to spiritual life, it's so much easier for them. And we are like not staying, gen I mean, we're not staying in the ashram. So like if you're staying outside, if you're a student, if you're a grasa, if you're not able, if you're not committing to the positive, um, <laughs> What, what, how, how do we expect to not be swayed by uh, you know, the, the material energy that is there? So um, this idea of uh, not wanting, you know, wanting something without the effort um, turns us into that kind of you know, very materialistic attitude, which is as Srila uh, Prabhupada's warning against. Um, but then on the flip side, and I hear this a lot as well, is that, yeah, okay, fine. But Srila Prabhupada also says, and the Bhagavatam also says, don't work like camels and asses and dogs and hogs and whatever. Right? So like, don't work like crazy people. So what's the balance? On the one side, we're being told, don't work so hard. Don't exert yourself so materially that you, you, know, you don't have, you're not focused on your spiritual life. On the other side, that there's a necessity for us to be committed and work diligently and try hard and etc. etc. and do something, have an impact on the world. So sometimes what I find is the, through the like conversations that I have in the, the questions I receive is that people, we devotees, find that these two things are mutually opposed. And therefore I need to pick one thing. If I want to be serious about my spiritual life, I need to be lazy about my material life. I need to be a, lazy about my uh, uh, material life to be successful in my spiritual life. Or vice versa. 
if I want to be successful in my spiritual, in my material life, then that means I have to compromise or be lazy in my uh, spiritual life. But it's, you know, it's such a fallacy. It's so, such a fallacy. I mean, philosophically, I don't know, uh, you know, how you, I mean, <laughs> as we've seen, you can try and justify many things through philosophy. But um, if you see the examples, as we know, the, the, the secret of Dharma is hidden uh, within the hearts of the self-realized. If we see the examples of personalities um, who are uh, working so hard for um, Krishna consciousness, um, then you can understand where the balance lies. The idea is don't work like a, an ass or a donkey or whatever, like a camel. Don't do these things for your own sense gratification. That's the point. It doesn't mean you don't work hard. It just means understand what you're working for. What's your motivation behind your work? Um, and if we apply ourselves to Krishna consciousness, if we're trying to work hard for Krishna, and if, and if that's in a material sphere, because we're, you know, we're grasses, we're working in the world, then as we've heard time and time again, you know, find a way to connect that to Krishna, do that for Krishna. So, um, and that's, the, that's what's called the art of work, right? Like the idea of how do, we, how do we do that? How do we strike that balance? And I know a lot of conversations are happening um, around this topic, um, but I think as long as we understand that we don't try and enjoy the outcome uh, and, and the fruit, and we're not the controllers of the outcome, you know, Krishna's the only controller and the enjoyer, as we know. Um, so as long as we understand that, then let's get on with stuff. There's no need to be shy about that. And I remember when we were building this place, so when we were building this place, like 60, 70 of you guys came up, right? And I remember when you were, you were all here, we were making you work from, <laughs> I mean, it was eight, nine o'clock in the morning, all the way through to the evening. And it was hard, I mean, it was hard labor. Like, I could have been arrested for that. <laughs> it was like, you know, trafficking. So, you know, there was a, we had a retreat. Somebody was, some, it, was a, it was the seven space retreat, so it was all Western new people. Somebody got a cab from Lincoln Station to come here. And they were talking to us and they said, uh, you know, I was in the cab and the cab driver said, where are you going? He said, destination. He said, I'm going to the Vedanta. And then the cab driver said to them, oh yeah, I heard about that place. I heard the guys who bought that and they never paid the people who worked there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> we never paid <laughs> So, you know, um, I know I had a point to this. So the point was that, in, but even though that everybody was working so hard, everyone who I spoke to, they'd been on like 10, 15, whatever, Pandasena trip. They were saying this was the best trip they've ever been on. Like, even though they were working so hard. Because it's not, we, we know this philosophically, but for some reason, the mode of ignorance kicks in. And so that mode of ignorance overrides what we know philosophically. Which, and the play out is that, essentially, I'm not going to enjoy myself if I'm working hard. That's how it plays back to us. So therefore, the only way I'm going to enjoy myself is when I'm watching TV, or when I'm zoning out, or whatever else might be going on. But it's actually not true. So time and time again, we have the experience, but yet we believe something that's not true. So I'm going to make a last point, um, which is that... Um, 
for us in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement and in Srila Prabhupada's example, when Srila Prabhupada came, he pushed preaching so much. He pushed working hard for Krishna so much. And he didn't have to do that. He could have done it many other ways. He could have pushed chanting and reading. He could have pushed 64 rounds. So many other things. And part of my reflection on that was that it feels like preaching is part of our sadhana. Like when we think about sadhana, generally what we think about is chanting and reading. That's how we like, um, envision sadhana. And so I'll do my sadhana, that's for the benefit of my spiritual life, and then I'll do preaching because that's my contribution to the mission. And that, I, I think that's true. But I also think that the preaching is also part of sadhana if by sadhana we mean those practices which progress our spiritual life. When we are preaching, who is being benefited? As we know, so many times we're told the same thing, isn't it? When we're preaching, we're being benefited more than the person we're speaking to, likely. Because the other person will be benefited by Krishna, by Srila Prabhupada's words, what are we going to do? But by me being involved in that process, I somehow or another got some benefit. So in that sense, um, like for us in ISKCON, uh, I feel like, like it, it, there isn't, a, the, the, there shouldn't be the, 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 the kind of dualistic dichotomy of saying this is this box for other people, this is what I need to do to focus on myself. By the actual, your involvement with preaching, um, you will also benefit so much. And I read, to, I was reading today, um, there's one thing struck me in Srila Prabhupada's reports of the fifth canto. Sorry, I can't tell you the text, but he says that, um, you know, when Krishna says Sarvadharma Parikaja, so he says that, you know, Krishna demands surrender, but people don't like it. And it's, uh, it's interesting, we don't like it. Like, <laughs> Krishna's demanding it, but we're resisting it because we think that by doing that, we're not going to enjoy it. We're going to give something up. But the truth is, if you experience any experience that you've had where you've been immersed in giving to Krishna, um, I, I, and I'm talking about us, I, I think that there are other extreme examples that we have not been part of, our generations have not been part of, previous generations perhaps. But our generations, when we have been immersed in giving to Krishna, I don't think anyone would have had a bad time. But I think there's a mental concoction which tells us you're not going to have a good time if you work hard, so don't work hard. So, um, yeah, please, um, I hope some of this just prompted some uh, kind of thoughts and supported what Maharaj will be taking us through in the mornings and this notion of um, our own commitment, recommitment, um, to Srila Prabhupada's mission. Um, sorry, I think we're close to time. Um, so I'll end here. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada. Ki. But I was supposed to do something and I didn't. So I wanted to, first of all, did we welcome Krishna Maharaj or were we going to do that? Are you going to do that, Ash? No. Yes. <laughs> so. We all, well, most of us saw Maharaj at the entrance.
for those of us who didn't. Um, we're grateful, Marge, for coming along for us. You're here till tomorrow evening, I think. So um, wonderful to have you back with us. Marge is uh, definitely one of us. And it's so nice that he's kind of like now sharing so much around the world, like it's uh, just exploded in terms of uh, people's appreciation for everything he's doing for. And it's, um, it's an amazing example, like when we talk about commitment. Um, I remember the first day when you went on the sabbatical, sabbatical with um, Sachi Kishore. And it's like from then, just like amazing. It's, sometimes people come into Krishna consciousness and when they come into Krishna consciousness, you're preaching to them. But then, very quickly, they kind of like are on a very fast track. And you think, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> so Marge is uh, definitely on the fast track. Thank you very much, Marge, for being with us. I wish you. And, yeah. I, yes, Marge. Weird. Is this now the modern perception is if you're Western, if you're educated and industrialized and rich and democratic, then you are weird? Is that the idea? Yeah, no, so yeah, the idea was um, it's, it's the acronym for weird in the sense that if you have this combination of things, which in Western Europe, 40, you know, 90 plus percentage of people have these characteristics and are brought up in a society that has these characteristics that imposes a certain um, mindset on the individual and the psychology that comes along with that. So the idea is that this is a setting we find ourselves in, which was not necessarily the setting of people generations ago in this country, what to speak of in India or other places. I, I just struggle because I think it's a interesting to understand what you know what so many people believe these are now values in 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 our in our world and uh, how is this connected with yeah i think the difference might these are not necessarily values these are um contexts so given this context you you society has imposed upon certain values. So I didn't get into the specific, I can, I can send you the study which tells you the values that come from this context. But, the, but, the, but the, um, the underpinning factor was this idea that if you have this context, you're gonna set, up, set yourself up in a place where essentially you've got good times. Like these are good times, so you're gonna, the next thing coming is not gonna be a very happy place. Now I understand, thank you. Yeah, sorry much for the confusion. 